are my deadly beeps, but look, no clock. I get all the time in the world. All right. We are uh, doing a series. We're week four today of called... In 30? <laughs> of In 30. Guys, are you getting the clock set up here? How are we doing? We're going to let them figure out the clock, and I am going to take advantage of every second. Shoot. Shoot. All right. So much for my lead. I have less than 30 minutes to take you through another life topic or major theological topic, and today this is what we're doing. This book right here, the Bible, the entire Bible, in less than 30 minutes. All right? So, I think of this book, and what I see is God's story. It's a story of love, of murder, of betrayal, and sacrifice, and redemption, and heroism, and hope. And I take a look at this book, and, and, and I, see, I see something that speaks to the human condition, and life, and reality, and God, and our connection and relationship to him, and, and who we are, and where we've come from, and where this whole thing is going. And I look at this book and and I've come to experience that it can convict and encourage. It can punch you in the gut and at the same time lift you up. It can transform you in ways I have not experienced from other things. And to use its own language, it can cut and penetrate even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow in ways other things just can't. It is God's message to you and for you. It is God's way of coming to you and meeting you and transforming you. And it's hard. Yeah? You ever read it? It's hard. Don't you get like 12 chapters in and you're like, I am so lost. Where is this going? I mean, it has more characters and more plot turns than War and Peace, doesn't it? I mean, you know, if they were to do that Charlie Brown special again, it would be this. I mean, Ulysses has got nothing on this book, which is so frustrating, isn't it? Because if it is God's message to you and for you, by which he comes to meet you and transform you, my gosh, Lord, could I please get it? Why does it have to be so tough, so confusing? Well, what I'd like to do today is take you through the Bible. And rather than try to teach and explain every little nuance and every little bit, what I'd like to do instead today is give you a foundational overview, so to speak, a substructure of how it's put together, of how it functions, and in my own deluded reality, because I think that those are actually like hours, not minutes, maybe some major themes as well, all right? Now, what's so difficult about the Bible is that it's written by over 30 authors over a 1,500-year period of time. And they're writing from different life situations, in different cultures, different experiences. I mean, shoot, even different languages, right? And have you ever had this moment where you're reading this over here, and you're like, how does that fit with this over here because that seems to be saying this while this seems to be saying that. And if that phrase wasn't confusing enough, try reading it in the Bible, right? 
And, and you have these difficulties of going, how do these pieces fit together? And, and, and how, how is this even the same message sometimes? I mean, how, how is this God over here, that God over there? And it can be paralyzing, can't it? I mean, come on, straight up here this morning. How many of us have ever tried to approach the Bible to read it and understand what does God want of me? What is God calling me to do? What is God saying about me and my connection with him? And you feel like you're getting this, this, this shotgun effect of answers where there's just like splatter marks all over the place. Are you with me on this or am I alone? It's a tough book, but it hit me. All 30 of these authors over 1,500 years, each of them is bringing a unique voice, a unique voice of their perspectives on on who God is and what God is doing and what God is speaking to people. And the trick is keeping each of these voices in proper tension with each other, or maybe better put, letting each voice be heard, but understanding that all the voices are supposed to come together to create a harmony, if you will, into a final Masterpiece. Does this make sense? And that's when it hit me. It was about the 95th time I was watching Pitch Perfect and I had an epiphany. The Bible is a cappella. All right? Guys, take a look at this and you'll see what I mean.
before? Wasn't that awesome? Now, now let's do some observations on it. Now, first, did you notice that it was one guy making all the different sounds? So that wasn't cloning, all right? It was one guy laying separate tracks, making all the different sounds, but it was one guy, right? Now, the Bible says that it's inspired by God. What that means is that God is breathing through these 30-some different authors over a 1,500-year period of time, each of who have their own sound, their own part to play, but ultimately behind it is one single voice. Did you also notice that if you were to isolate one single sound, it wouldn't sound like another sound at a different place or a different time. Now, I don't know if you were able to unpack this at all, um, but let me show you how this song was layered. Take a look at just a very short clip uh, on how he went about building what you just saw. Is it fair to say that does not sound anything like they are different sounds so much to the point that you can go that sounds nothing Are we ready to go? Okay. That sounds nothing like this, to the point that people have approached the Bible saying it can't be one unified message. It can't be one central truth to me because it just sounds too different. Now, also, what would happen if the entire song was accented on one of the voices just going boom, boom, 
and that's like all you heard and everything else was in the background. Suddenly, the song would cease to work, wouldn't it? But when all come together, and did you notice what was there? Like 24, 36 some odd pictures up there, different parts, just like there's 30 some authors of the Bible, each bringing a part and layering it. So let me show you how this works. Now, I got to warn you, this next part is going to get a little weird. Um, It is going to involve each of you, as well as a hairpiece and gold pants. All right? Pull out a Bible and open up to the table of contents, okay? Now, if you open up to the table of contents, you're going to see that the Bible is divided between what is called the Old Testament and the New Testament. Do you see that? Now, it's kind of a bum rap and not really the best way of putting it because when you hear old, what do you think? Obsolete, outdated, We got new and improved now. What do we need? The old. And so many people, I think just because the name is old, kind of get this idea that somehow it is no longer applicable to you. Nothing could be further from the truth. And do you know that Jesus never called it the Old Testament? No one ever called it the Old Testament until later. Even the early Christians didn't call it the Old Testament, which has led many people today to call it by different names. Things like the First and the Second Testament. What's a testament? It's a covenant. It's a promise. Go with it. The first and the second promise. It's led others to say it's better to talk about it in terms of promise and fulfillment. My favorite's by a guy named N.T. Wright. He'll say that what we call the Old Testament should be called Acts 1, 2, and 3, like Acts in a play, with the New Testament being Acts 4 and only the very end of Act 5, because the rest of Act 5 before the ending is something to be played out by you and by me. Now, if you're looking in your table of contents, it starts with five books with weird names, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are commonly called the law or the Torah in Hebrew. Now, you guys over here, I need your help, all right? You guys are the Torah. All right, so I need you on your feet. And, and it, what, what the Torah does is it lays down the baseline. It gives the base track upon which everything else is built. So guys, uh, I need you to do this with me today. Can you do this? Can okay, now vocalize it though. Okay, can you do that? Now you need to add to it this. Okay, give me a piff. Okay, so what you guys, what Moses is laying down is going to be this. Get it going. Keep it going. All right, all right, you got your part, right? Okay, you can take a seat. You can take a seat. Now, after the Torah comes books that you're looking in your table of contents. The Samuels, the Kings, the Chronicles, right? You're seeing Joshua and Judges. And then you jump over like Psalms and Proverbs and you see all these weird names like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Habakkuk, right? And even the Italian prophet Malachi there at the end. Now... What the prophets do is they come along and they find the bass beat that Moses laid down. But they bring their own voice into it, building upon that which has been laid. So, I need you on your feet. That 
clock is going to slap me. And the prophets are coming in and they're doing this. Can you give me that? No, no, together, together, guys. Ready? Okay, that is the prophets. So we have Moses laying down the boom, 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 and then the new covenant comes along. I didn't tell you to stop. What are you doing? And the new covenant comes along, all right? And into it, the message of Jesus starts coming with this bass riff. Okay, you can stop. And it goes like this. Dim, 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 dim. 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 Can you doom, doom? All right, on your feet. On your feet. Ready? Do it with me. Dim 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 louder dim 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 okay you got it right then okay you can have a seat and then Paul comes along and if you're looking in the new covenant the the second covenant the the Acts four and five if you will you're going to see all these books starting from Romans on in your table of contents do you see those and there are all these weird names like like Corinthians and Thessalonians and Philippians and so forth. These are letters written by a guy named Paul, an early follower of Jesus, to people living in those cities. And what Paul does is he comes along and he takes the bass track that's been laid. He takes what the prophets have continued. He takes the rhythm of the gospels coming underneath. And then he brings a certain sense of clarity to what is going on. So I need you on your feet. And I need you to say these three words. Ice, ice, baby. Ice, ice, baby. But now when you say it, you got to get all kind of like throaty on it. So go, ice, ice, baby. Okay? So here's the rhythm. Ice, ice, baby. Ice, ice, baby. And then in the mix of it, in the midst of it, comes Jesus. You could have a seat. You could have a seat. No, I know you really like that part, but that's cool, guys. You can take a seat. In the midst of it comes Jesus because the Bible says that all the different voices of Scripture only make sense when heard through the mix of Jesus. This is why Hebrews 1 will say things like, in the past, God's spoken and many times and in many ways by his prophets of old, but now in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son. Now, it's pretty interesting if you read the stories in the New Testament about Jesus appearing in all his glory. Do you remember like the transfiguration and he looked like blinding light, like lightning? And do you remember how like when you see Revelation, it was like beaming gold and stuff like that? And so in the midst of the midst, in the midst of the mix, comes gold pants. Because cause what would a mix-up be without gold MC hammer pants? Would you agree? So give me a moment. Yeah. But, but what is a mix like this 
without doing it properly. Hot baby, hot. So what we are going to do today is we are going to build the mixed track of the Bible. Now, now, guys, come on up. Kyle and the crew, come on up. And I need all of you on your feet because what we're going to do is, is build how the Bible works. So, Moses, we need you to lay the bass track. Ready? And while they're laying the track, boom, Dum da da dum da da dum dum, dum da da dum da da dum dum, dum da da dum da da dum dum, dum da da dum da da dum dum. Dum da da dum da da dum dum, dum da da dum da da dum dum. Ice, ice, baby. Ice, ice, baby. And throughout history, the voices of God have been laying down the tracks of the Bible. Keep going. Keep going. Boom. 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 Dum da da dum da da dum dum. Dum da da dum da da dum dum. Ice, ice, baby. Ice, ice, baby. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flows like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Look at the lights and I'll glow. To the extreme, I rock the mic like a vandal. Light up a stage and rocks a jump like a candle. Dance. Rush the speakers that boom. Killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best is a felony. Love it or leave it, you better gain way. You better hit bulls out the kid don't play. If there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. That's... I entitled that sequence, Look, My Kids Want to Climb Under a Rock and Die. Guys, you can have a seat. But that is the Bible. That is how it comes together. Now, it doesn't make any sense to say, wait, boom, boom, can't come from the same person is ice, ice, baby. It is different voices laid down by God throughout time that only make sense and come into coherence when someone comes to mix it together and bring the message and melody on top. And suddenly what sounds separate and different and contradictory starts to fit together in a way that can only be called a masterpiece. Now, this has all kinds of implications for when you read the Bible. For one, it means what you're going to come across is something called paradox. Are you familiar with the term? A paradox is, is, is nothing more than a two claims that seem to contradict each other. And yet, both happen to be true. Let me give you an example. At one time, God laid a track, and it said this. Just, just read it to yourselves. 
But then God laid an additional track that said this. Question. Don't they seem to say two different things? In fact, don't they seem to contradict one another? And yet, both are nonetheless true. Now, now here's how you can get into trouble. You could emphasize one track over the other. Maybe you make your track Romans 8, and you make your track Hebrews 6. And so, what you do is, when you do your mix, is you take the Romans 8, boom, 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 and you make it so loud that nothing else can be heard. Tell me, does that make for good music? And likewise, what if this group over here is keeping one of the tracks out all together? Doesn't it feel like something is missing? And so the real trick when you read the Bible is to let each voice express the track that it is trying to give. Because to drown one out is to lose something. To focus on only one is deadly to the masterpiece. Now, here's another implication of how it works. What you are going to see is God lays the tracks of the Bible, is that he meets people exactly where they're at, but then always takes them one step ahead. I find God to be amazing this way. God is a God who doesn't expect us to climb to him. God is a God who comes down to us wherever we're at, whatever situation, whatever garbage, whatever confusion, and he meets us right there, but then calls us to follow him one step deeper. And so you can read something, maybe in the Old Testament, maybe like in Deuteronomy, where it says something like this. When you go to war, your enemies and the Lord, your God, delivers them into your hands and, and take you captive. Um, if you notice among them a beautiful woman and are attracted to her, you may take her as your wife. It feels a little, I mean, I'm, I'm rolling with it, but it feels a little barbaric, doesn't it? I mean, we hear that today, and we go, how backwards? Except to the people whom God had spoken this to, it was revolutionary. It was meeting them exactly where they were at, but taking them a step ahead. Because back then, you went to war, all things were yours. You came into a town, you won the battle, you want the property, take it. You want the animals, take it. You want the land, take it. It doesn't matter if it's right or not, just take it. You want the kids, their property too. You want the women, their property too. And Deuteronomy comes and speaks into that context, but then look at what it says. Bring her into your home and have her shave her head, which sounds like whacked, doesn't it? But we'll get to that. Trim her nails and put aside the clothes she was wearing when captured. Do you imagine those are nice clothes or dirty clothes? Probably pretty raggedy clothes, right? So except for the head shaving thing, the back half is sounding pretty good, right? After she has lived in your house and mourned her father and mother for a full month, then you may go to her and be her husband as long as you both, and be her husband, and she shall be your wife. Now, what's going on here? What Deuteronomy is doing is taking the customs of the day and allowing for the captured woman to mourn her family. So unlike the other cultures where she's ripped away, we don't care what you think, we don't care how you feel, we don't care what happens to you, 
Instead of property, Deuteronomy says she's a human being. Treat her like that. Her family has been ripped away from her, maybe killed. Before you have any grand illusions of yourself, let her mourn her family. Let her cast off her slave clothing and treat her with the dignity she deserves. And then it goes on to say, and if you are not pleased with her, let her go where she wishes. She is not your slave. She is not your property. You must not sell her or treat her as a slave since you have dishonored her. And do you see how Deuteronomy as just one example, comes in to a condition of the time and meets the people exactly where they're at, but then takes them a step ahead into the way of God and his plan. Is that clicking? And this is what the Bible will do, because the different voices will build upon each other, each voice taking God's grand and final plan and helping people move one step closer from the point that they're at to meeting him. And this is why it's so important when you read the Bible to always listen to the later voices, to always listen to the full panoply of voices and the later voices that have come. I told you that clock was going to slap me, and so I've got to land the plane. I'm going to close with this. Hopefully some of these insights have helped you to understand the Bible. Read it. It's more important than knowing what I said. All right, key question of the day. Do I continue in the gold pants? Gold pants on? Gold pants off? Oh, you stink, guys. Come on. Gold pants on it is. All right. You know, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, bringing the final mix to all that God had said and revealed, he took bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. You heard of what God said in Passover. You heard of what God said for forgiveness. Listen to the fuller version of what's happening. And after supper, he took a cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, and he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my new, my new testament, my new covenant, my new and solemn promise to you. It is the fulfillment of what was promised long ago. The shedding of blood for the forgiveness of all of your sins. So come, eat, drink, and do this in remembrance of me. Guys, welcome to the table of the Lord.
God who speaks to you and comes to you. May the God who has laid a story and set it out, may that story become your story. And may it transform you from the inside out. Hey, God bless, guys. You can have a seat. So uh, ushers are going to come forward here and, uh, in a moment or two. And they're going to be receiving the offerings. If, if you've uh, chosen to worship God that way today, just drop it in the bucket when it comes by. And they'll be uh, also receiving those connection cards. And I need you to do me a favor. Flip it over to the back, all right? You see on the back, there's a, a section that says comments. See what I'm talking about? I need you to, to uh, help me with something. Um, I just need you to answer a simple yes or no on that. If this whole pastor gig doesn't work out for me, do I have a future as a rapper? Um, give us your answers and we'll go from there, all right? You can drop those in the buckets when they come on by. Guys, you can take it away. Hey, while they're doing that, listen, um, about two weeks from today, we kick off our new school year here at Fellowship of Faith. And uh, we just got some exciting things coming up. Um, the Rock Children's Ministry is, uh, is starting two weeks from today with, with times meeting at both 9 and 10.30. Becky Williams, our director, she's in the process of, of taking that whole back area. She's gutting the map of Palestine and she's turning it into a virtual Garden of Eden. What she's going to be doing back there is showing the kids the story of the Bible that began in Eden with the way God always intended it to be, after which it fell apart, and how God, through the entire trajectory of the Bible, sought to restore that which he intended from the beginning. So they're going to live it and see it and feel it firsthand. should be really, really cool. Now, last week, I showed you a number. It was a number eight, right? All right, here's a number this week. Bam. There it is. We are looking for five more assistants to help at the Rock, either at the 9 or 10.30 service. This is not a teaching position. It is an assisting position. Coming alongside one of our teacher's leaders to lend that extra set of hands that's just so critical to making it run well. Um, it goes for about eight weeks or two months at a crack, so it's not a full school year commitment. If you are interested, help us get that five down to zero. Go to the, uh, the Welcome Center, give them your name, give them your number and email. Becky will get in contact. And uh, guys, I just want to tell you, uh, it is incredible what happens back there and in the difference that you'll not only be able to make, but the impact that you will discover kids making on you. It's uh, If you haven't experienced it, you can't explain it. I'll just leave it at that. Now, Becky has asked for help with um, one final thing. Over Bible Boot Camp about a week ago, she had this um, rummage sale that she hosted, and all the proceeds went to help people who are victims of the tornado damage down in Oklahoma City. Well, there's rummage sale leftovers. So, at the end of the service today, if you can go back through the mountain of the rock, all right, you know what I'm talking about? The mountain entrance? That first classroom right there, there'll be an usher there to direct you. We need to move everything from that room outside these doors so they can be picked up and donated to people in need. If you could lend a hand and carry a box or two out to there, it would save a few people hours of work. And uh, while we're on the subject, if you see anything you like, it's yours, all right? Take it away. Hey, listen, next, uh, not next week, but in two weeks, as we kick off our new school year, there's just a really um, cool thing we're going to be doing that I just want to give you a taste test of today.
We're going to be starting a school year-long journey through a series called 40 New Testament Passages Important for You to Know. Each week, we're going to take a New Testament passage, and we're going to explore what God's message is to us in it, because at the end of the day, life transformation happens there in God's Word. I'm so excited about this. I've always thought of myself more as a Bible teacher than as a preacher rapper, so... You know, I, I cannot wait, and uh, guys, just uh, be a part. Before that, though, we've got one week left of In 30. It's next Sunday. Take a look. <laughs>